This is the Retail Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on market scale. On that third mega trend, where consumers really have taken over the shopping channel, they're walking into stores a lot more informed. We don't hide from the fact that retail is difficult. You know, every day is a challenge, but that excites the customer. They love that. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. And joining me is Juan Perez. He's the CEO of Aduso. Juan, thank you so much for joining me again for another episode of the podcast. Thank you, Tyler. It's good to be with you again. Well, it's great to be speaking with you as well. And as we've talked about in the past, uh, we're discussing self-order and self-service kiosks. But today we're talking specifically about issues regarding accessibility and ADA compliance. Now, Juan, this is an issue that retailers uh, should probably be thinking about now rather than uh, thinking about it down the road and procrastinating any kind of decisions about this, right? Yeah, I, I think that's correct, Tyler. And I think uh, I have to give you a little bit of legislative background here just to kind of set the table uh, for why uh, perhaps retailers are taking a wait-and-see approach. Um, so back in uh, 1973, Congress passed uh, the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. Uh, Section 508 of that act uh, guaranteed certain uh, rights to people with disabilities uh, with respect to information systems. Uh, Along came the American Disabilities Act in 1990 then, which was actually based on Section 504 uh, of the Rehabilitation Act, and it again guarantees certain rights to people with disabilities. And lastly, Uh, In uh, 1996, along came the Communications Act, which again granted the same type of rights to people with disabilities, but this time with respect to telecommunication systems. Uh, You know, probably cell phones and things like that were getting more and more popular, so Congress acted. Uh, The only issue, uh, and I think the key issue, uh, is that all of these uh, laws apply only to government agencies Uh, and contractors uh, and or people doing business with those agencies. So that's why I think a lot of retailers look at it today and perhaps don't understand the law or have just decided to take a wait-and-see approach uh, until there are some laws in place that are specifically targeted at retail. However, I think that's, uh, that's not a proactive approach enough, and that could have some consequences down the line. Yeah, when you look at this, and you mentioned potential consequences, what are some of those consequences that you could potentially see uh, taking place if retailers are slow to adopt um, these ideas? Well, for example, there has already been uh, some uh, lawsuits filed uh, by individuals who could not readily access uh, a kiosk in a restaurant, uh, and, and I would expect more of that type of activity as uh, kiosks continue to spread. Now, I think in the case uh, that I'm mentioning here, it was a situation where somebody with visual impairment uh, could not, did not have the, uh, the capability or the, or, I think it was the the uh, audio port was blocked on the actual touch screen on the on the tablet, so they could not plug in their headset and hear what they were looking at on the kiosk, so they could es- essentially place their order. So those are the types of consequences. I think we're talking mostly about legal action uh, by people with disabilities who cannot 
uh, access the kiosk and place an order just like any other uh, person would be able to. Okay, so there are some uh, some potential consequences there for uh, for retailers that uh, that don't adopt this. So uh, let's kind of break this down and get into some specifics. What does it mean to be ADA compliant and to be uh, thinking about accessibility with respect to self-order kiosks? What needs to happen uh, there for, for people to, to reach that level? Well, first of all, Remember what I said, these laws don't, do not yet apply to uh, retail establishments. So, but mm-hmm. I think the laws that are in place uh, with respect to government agencies are very useful and provide some practical guidance that we can follow. Um, so the, the end result is that effective uh, ADA compliance uh, or accessibility uh, is only achieved uh, through a marriage of both hardware and software. Uh, so I think there uh, are uh, certain standards already out uh, in place that can be used. Uh, and so you can modify hardware with certain peripherals, uh, and you can certainly modify software to adhere to certain standards standards uh, that would make uh, the self-service kiosk pretty much uh, accessible to a wide range of disabilities. Um, and I, I can go into more detail on, on what that, what those changes would be, what those, uh, you know, to the hardware and the software specifically. Let's get into that because uh, I am curious what, what changes would be made and also kind of how that relationship works between a company developing software and also, you know, a, a company that does the hardware for self-service kiosks. How, does, how do those conversations have to happen to make sure that they're working together in this sense? Well, let's take it from the hardware uh, manufacturer's perspective first. Uh, what they need to be doing is incorporating tactile navigation bars and uh, audio jacks uh, into their hardware design. Um, there's a company out there called Storm Interface, uh, which makes accessible uh, access- um, accessibility tactical navigation bars and audio jacks uh, that are easily integrated into the, uh, uh, into the hardware design of a kiosk. Uh, I'm sure there are others, but that's the one that we work with primarily. Um, from the software's perspective, and, and by the way, that's that's really all you have to do uh, in terms of the kiosk. I mean, there are, there are height, height restrictions and so forth, but as long as you place those, uh, those tactical navigation bars well within reach, maybe just below, you know, the surface of the, of the actual touch screen on a kiosk, uh, then they're well within the height restrictions and so forth. Uh, so the software then uh, is a little bit more complicated uh, because the software has to interact with these navigation devices uh, and uh, do certain things that kind of completes the picture, if you will. Uh, so for example, uh, these navigation bars have different tactical buttons on them. Uh, they're backlit in different colors. Uh, and somebody, say, with a prosthetic arm who can't use the touch screen, uh, can place the, uh, can touch the forward arrow or the backward arrow or the select button on these navigation bars. And then the software would respond by something we call, uh, if they're paging through products, we call it linear navigation. So as they press the forward button or the backward button, 
we bump a screen, uh, we, we bump up this, the, the product on the screen. So if you're looking at a screen full of burgers, let's say, uh, you touch the navigation arrow, the forward arrow, and you go to the next burger and the next burger and so forth. You touch the backward arrow, you go backwards and so forth, one product at a time. That's the first element, so linear navigation. Um, the second element would be that you highlight the element that you land on. So as you land on that burger, you put a bright red bounding box or a bright colored bounding box, I should say, around that element so that perhaps somebody with uh, uh, you know, impaired vision, but some vision, uh, can actually get a sense of where they're at on the screen. Um, and uh, you know, that's the second element, which essentially uh, allows you to navigate effectively uh, through the products, even with impaired vision or a prosthetic uh, limb and so forth. Um, along with uh, highlighting the active element would also be audio cues. So at the same time, uh, you are uh, describing the product that you're on, um, you know, cheeseburger, burger, hot dog, etc. As you're as they're bumping through the products. Uh, the last piece of the software puzzle is then content text to speech, which kind of folds into that audio cues part. Um, so somebody uh, who is uh, completely blind can plug in their headset uh, and, in fact, listen uh, as they're paging through different pages, different parts of the menu, uh, different uh, items within uh, a section of the menu, uh, and so forth. So uh, with those three processes in place, linear navigation, highlighting the active element with audio cues as well, and content text-to-speech, you basically have a complete picture where these uh, peripherals, these navigation bars, and the software are interacting together to essentially make the ordering experience on a self-serve kiosk uh, as doable for a person with disabilities, with a wide range of disabilities, as it would be to somebody who is not disabled. Absolutely, and you know, as you're talking about that, it kind of strikes me that kind of the, the the purpose for kiosks is to create that great experience for customers, right, where they uh, are able to order quickly, they get good product descriptions, you know, overall it improves the customer experience. But if it doesn't do that for everybody, then uh, then it's kind of missing its goal. But making sure that, uh, that there is this high level of accessibility does make sure then that every customer is receiving a positive experience, not just some. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's the goal of all of that legislation. Uh, you know, I've seen kiosks on the market where uh, retailers have tried to do something, but it's kind of a half-hearted effort. Uh, so for example, you, they might show uh, you know, the traditional disabled button on the screen, you know, the blue button with a person in a wheelchair. Um, and if you touch that button, what the UI does is it shrinks down to kind of the center and the lower part of the screen, meaning it's reachable. Well, that really only addresses you know, somebody who can't reach up high, who's perhaps sitting in a wheelchair, but it doesn't really do anything for somebody who's hearing impaired or visually impaired and so forth. So uh, I think that uh, you just have to, when you look at this, you have to consider uh, a standard, if you will, that, uh, that covers a broad range of disabilities. And, and there are standards out there. We, as a software company, we chose to work with uh, a standard that was developed at the University of Wisconsin's Trace Center, 
uh, and it's called Easy Access. Uh, this is the same standard that's used by uh, self-service kiosks at the post office, uh, U.S. Post Office, the uh, U.S. Department of Homeland Security, uh, as well as I think uh, UPS. So we uh, we decided that that was the kind of broad standard from a software perspective that we were looking for. Uh, and we those elements that I mentioned before, the linear navigation, highlighting the active element, content, text to speech, all are uh, defined in that uh, in that standard yeah absolutely H have you seen any um, any retailers or any companies um, that you work with that really uh, has utilized this well and, and implemented this fully can you give any any good examples of this uh, kind of working positively for uh, uh, for a company I have not yet seen it unfortunately that's why I think uh, we need to be talking about it more uh, you know, at, at the self-service kiosk at the U.S. Post Office. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I, I said UPS earlier. It's actually United Airlines. At a lot of their check-in kiosks, uh, you will see these navigation bars and you will see the software uh, that you can use to check in on the kiosk, um, you know, working in conjunction with those navigation bars. So I guess that is a place where you can uh, go look at, uh, at an effective uh, implementation of the easy access standard. Uh, that's what we tried. We have tried to do uh, in our software for the restaurant industry, but I have not seen any other examples uh, in the restaurant industry. You know, w when we were talking about legislation earlier, um, you kind of you walked through the the history of that. Do you think that there will be a day where it is legislated for retailers, or do you think that this is just something that people should really consider, um, you know, on their own without it having to be legislated, just to serve their customers as as well as they possibly can? Yeah, I that's I think that's a that's a great question because I think that's that's at the crux of this thing. I, I just don't see this is controlled by uh, an independent uh, federal agency called the U.S. Access Board, and I just don't see them not introducing some legislation at some point, which I would imagine uh, will be heavily influenced by uh, past legislations uh, and extending those same, uh, those same capabilities uh, to uh, you know, common everyday citizens and not just somebody working with a government agency. So I do see that coming down the line uh, at some point. I'm not sure when. Yeah, and that's all the more reason for people to begin thinking about it now rather than waiting for it to be mandated and then all of a sudden there's there's a rush on it. It would be better to be thinking about that ahead of time and then uh, be prepared when that does roll around so that it's maybe minor adjustments and tweaks to uh, to adhere to what the, the principles and the, and, the, and the guidelines are, but uh, you're already going that direction as opposed to having to start, start from scratch and all of a sudden everyone in the industry is scrambling to become compliant at the same time. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that's that could be very costly. That's a lot of retrofitting of hardware and software, uh, and uh, there's no reason for it. You could really get started now. Uh, you know, a big company, uh, you know, with thousands of stores could perhaps absorb uh, those costs of retrofitting. But as you get, uh, you know, you talk about medium and smaller companies, uh, that's going to be hard, uh, hard pill to swallow. So. Um, why not take a look at this now? It really, to be honest with you, um, all the capabilities are included with our software, so there is no extra cost at this point. 
and to add the peripherals to hardware to the hard the kiosk hardware uh, is not that much either so you really owe it to yourself you should be looking at this now if you're if you have a chain of restaurants that is considering self-service kiosks absolutely well Juan Perez you're you're an expert in all things uh, all things self-service and self-order kiosks <laughs> so uh, we, I think it's really wise and, and, and sage advice um, just to be thinking ahead and, and planning and so I think that that is really wise advice and uh, and so I appreciate you uh, joining me today to talk about this and to uh, and to educate people people on what exactly um, might be happening moving forward. So I appreciate that very much. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. It's uh, good talking to you again.